Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to More Than Amused Podcast, a podcast all about women and the arts, hosted by Stani and Sadie. Join us as we explore what it's like being a female artist, examine modern day problems, and educate ourselves and you on important and forgotten female artists of the past. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to More Than Amuse. I'm Stani. And I'm Sadie. And thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us for another week. We get to talk about a new artist today. Add it to our yes, collection. <laughs> that sounds weird to say, but like it, we're bringing them into the More Than Amuse network. I don't know the right word yes. for it. Yes. <laughs> That's what it is. The More Than Music Network. That sounds so official. <laughs> it does, actually. Wow. Before we get started, should we talk about any art we've consumed or... Ooh, yes. I actually finished a book last night that I really, really liked. Ooh. It's called Daughter of the Moon Goddess. It's like a fantasy novel. Let me pull up the author really quick because definitely want to shout her out. Oh, it's Su Lin Tan. Like I mentioned, it is a fantasy book and it was really, really good. The author is Malaysian and she pulled from Chinese mythology to make the story. I don't know how much of it is like accurately based off of mythology or how much is her retelling of it. I really, really loved the book. The cover is beautiful. Just a side note on everything. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's very, very plot driven, almost to the point that I'm like, how can so much happen in one book but I feel like all the books I've been reading more recently have been like very very emotionally character driven that it was like kind of a nice break just to have like things happen you know what I mean yeah no so. that makes sense I feel like I've heard of that one but it's I, I really really loved it, it yet. so that's, that's some awesome. art I've been enjoying that is so great I found Kelsey Ballerini's EP <gasps> Yesterday. Oh, oh my gosh. I thought of you and I listened to it and I meant to text you and then I saw your tweet about it and I was like, oh, she didn't need me. She found it. Uh, yeah. I like had it on repeat for the last hour of work and I was just like sitting there with my headphones on at my computer, just like, ah, <laughs> it's really good in my feelings. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Very wonderful. For those who don't know anything about the country world, Kelsey Ballerini, country music star the ep is called rolling up the welcome mat and it is about her recent divorce so good so honest she also so created good. a short film to go along which with i have it. not seen yet but i'm very excited you should about. you should watch it it's really really beautiful yeah. and really simple but i really really love that as well what's your favorite song from the ep i really love penthouse yeah that's a good one. It's so good. It's so sad. Okay. It's gorgeous. Like, mm -hmm. it is so tragic, but it is gorgeous. Also, like, Leave Me Again is actually, like, really empowering kind of in a way. Yeah. Where she's mm -hmm. like, even though I left you, like, she doesn't want to lose herself. Yeah. I, I really love that. They're it amazing. Too. So that was, like, the main thing. I also rewatched Beyonce's Homecoming on Netflix. Ooh. The Homecoming Coachella performance is really good as i already that's knew good. i've already seen it but it's, yeah it's great to watch it again watch that this week that's perfect i watched a lot of chick flicks this week actually oh. inspired by our last week's episode recent episode yeah i watched how to lose a guy in 10 days again and i watched you've got mail last night amazing it was the week for it i was like you know what 
feels right. Other than Valentine's Day week, when can you? All right. Well, anything else we need to go over? Should we jump into our person? I don't think so. Yeah. Who are we learning about today? Okay. So today we are talking about Florence Price, continuing with Black History Month. Felt like it was only appropriate to find Mm. a black woman to cover, but also who she is. She is a classical music composer. And I realized as I was trying to figure out who I was going to cover this month is that I've obviously done a lot of classical musicians. That's where my background is. And so that's the, I guess, women artists I'm more familiar of is the the classical musicians that are like "Mm," right outside of, you know, mainstream that are women. Mm -hmm. Anyways, but I realized I did not know anything about black women and honestly even just black composers in general in classical music in America and so it was really cool for me to learn about her and like I said I just I kind of called myself out of like I don't know anyone here who would fit into this and so it was really really cool to learn about her we haven't done this I don't think in a second officially but a state of the arts to set the tone for where Florence Price came up in I guess but also just like a part of history that I didn't really know a lot about looking back I actually think we might have talked about it in the Lil Hart and Armstrong episode which is Louis Armstrong's wife go check it out Mm -hmm. love doing that episode but this is the Chicago Black Renaissance which is really similar to the Harlem Renaissance which yeah. uh, what episode was it that we talked a lot Augusta about Augusta Savage yes yeah thank you. Augusta Savage that was actually one of our very first yeah uh-huh. episodes too so that's like clear back at the beginning but yeah yes that's what I thought okay so it's very similar to the Harlem Renaissance but I think the Harlem Renaissance had a little bit more of a cultural impact than this but to just briefly mm-hmm. summarize it the Chicago Black Renaissance was a creative movement that blossomed out of the Chicago Black Belt on the south side of the city that spanned the 1930s and the 1940s before a transformation in art and culture took place in the mid-1950s through the turn of the century. And then this happened during the Great Migration, which brought tens of thousands of African Americans to Chicago's south side, leaving southern states they came to Chicago. But African-American writers, artists, and community leaders began promoting racial pride and a new black consciousness similar to that of the Harlem Renaissance. Mm -hmm. Unlike the Harlem Renaissance, though, the Chicago Black Renaissance, they did not receive the same amount of publicity on a national scale. Some of the reasons being that the Chicago group, they didn't really try to like I don't know, like brand themselves as one singular movement. You know what I mean? They didn't really have like a face of the movement, whereas maybe the Harlem Renaissance was a little bit more organized in that way. So that's Mm -hmm. one of the reasons why it maybe wasn't nationally viewed as prominent as the Harlem Renaissance. But also in line with that is that wealthy patrons were less involved in the Chicago Renaissance as they were in the Harlem Renaissance. And then, of course, just that New York City generally had a higher profile of opportunities there than it did in Chicago at the time. So different varying reasons, but that's just a couple of why it's maybe not as culturally recognized. But the movement did include a lot of more famous artists. And I personally don't know all of these names, but some I definitely do. But also I have now like seven names added to future artists that I want to cover. I love Um, when that happens. So (laughs) yeah, I'm very excited to dive into the lives of these people in the future. But some famous writers are Richard Wright, Margaret Walker, Gwendolyn Brooks, Arna Bontemps, and Lorraine Hansberry. Musicians include Thomas A. Dorsey, 
Louis Armstrong, Earl Hines and Mahalia Jackson, with artists like Williams, Ed, excuse me, William Edward Scott, Elizabeth Catlett, Catherine Dunham, Charles Wilbert White, Margaret Burroughs, Charles C. Dawson, Archibald John Motley Jr., Walter Sanford, and Ildizer Quarter. Like I mentioned, so was this, I don't know all these people. Was it the same time period then as Lil Harden Armstrong? Like kind of like that yes. jazz age? Mm-hmm. Right okay. around that time. Cool. So she was like part of like the Great Migration. Right all that time in Chicago, that's when she was there. That's when everything was hustling, bustling and everything. So anyways, so Florence Price was around in Chicago and that was happening and was a part of it. That'll come up later, obviously, when I dive in a little bit more into her career life. But just to, you know, set a pretense of like, this is a cool thing that happened in America and in culture. And I didn't really know about it before. So now hopefully you now know more about it, my dear listener. So for a very brief overview, Florence Beatrice Price was an American classical composer, a pianist, an organist, and a music teacher. She is noted actually as the first African-American woman to be recognized as a symphonic composer and the very first to have a composition played by a major orchestra, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. She composed over 300 works, four symphonies, four concertos, as well as choral works, art songs, chamber music, and music for solo instrument. So like 300 works of music incredible and like i said the very first black person or black woman yeah i think the very first black woman to have a composition played by a major orchestra incredible i really loved this article the new yorker did a article on her back in 2018 titled the rediscovery of florence price which i'll go into that at the very end of what the (laughs) rediscovery actually means because something very significant happened that actually made it so there was like a legitimate rediscovery not just people trying to like you know make people relevant again which we see that all of the time where they just like use it as a headline and they're like we've discovered this artist that no one knew about and it's like actually they've been popular like five times literally (laughs) what i love though from this article like i said i don't want to give away what happened that like caused a legitimate like rediscovery because it's kind of cool but this quote from the new yorker article it said the reasons for the shocking neglect of price's legacy are not hard to find in a 1943 letter to the conductor serge kozovitsky pronunciation not certain Anyways, she introduced herself thus, and she said, My dear Kazavitsky, to begin with, I have two handicaps, those of sex and race. I am a woman, and I have some Negro blood in my veins. So, a sad reality, right, of the 1940s. So, just something to, like, acknowledge at the very beginning is that something very significant does happen that causes her neglect, and then, like I mentioned, her recent rediscovery. But she was well aware that, you know, she was classical music, I mean, classical music is just, in general, a bit more pretentious, I dare say. Sorry to my fellow music majors. I don't think you have to <laughs> dare say that. I feel like people would agree with yeah. that, even if they, like, love classical music. Like, I think that, it's pretentious. <laughs> well, I think that it is just a problem with very institutionalized art, right? Mm-hmm. With art that's been around for a very, very long time, there are a lot of people that really want to maintain the things that made that art so great at one time you know which i understand that but at the same time if an art is going to survive you do have to keep moving forward and yes it's a balance between conserving and being progressive if you Mm. maintain it to the point of exclusivity where it dies off yeah then you're not really doing it justice either exactly 
so anyways that's a whole other like conversation we could have and that we have had many times on this podcast anyways i'm gonna talk a little bit about her life it's kind of like one of those people where it's like there's so many articles about her that pretty much just say the same thing over and over again those Um, ones are hard yes so (laughs) So hopefully this episode isn't too short but regardless she was an amazing person to learn about and i went on youtube afterwards and just like searched florence price and listened to her compositions and they're beautiful they're absolutely stunning so definitely would recommend if you need some like you know study music in your background just have your classical music of choice be florence prices anyways now let's talk about her so florence beatrice smith was born to florence gulliver and james h smith on april 9th 1887 in little rock arkansas she was one of three children in a mixed race family her father actually was the only african-american dentist in the city of little rock which I thought was interesting and cool. And her mother was a music teacher who guided Florence's early musical training. What I thought was interesting is that despite like the obvious racial issues of the area, her family was actually pretty well respected within the community. I imagine that like being a dentist, you know, being the only African-American dentist like would maybe give it. So you're put in a little bit more of a respectable position, which I which is good. Mm -hmm. But she actually gave her first solo piano performance at the age of four and had her first composition published at the age of 11. So (laughs) from very early on, she was amazing obviously yeah four years old first piano performance amazing it's so crazy i feel like every single classical composer we talk about is like a child prodigy that's what i was just gonna (laughs) say i'm like being a classical composer seems like something you just like got or don't got and i know that's not true but like how many like at 11 yeah (laughs) Yeah. like okay so if by the time you're 15 you haven't published anything then classical music isn't for you or it's almost like (laughs) if you haven't felt the call by the time you're yeah 15 just find something else i don't know (laughs) you're so right though all of them child prodigies amazing but she attended school at a catholic convent and in 1901 by the time she was 14 she actually graduated as valedictorian of her class so very high achieving very smart and then in 1902 after high school she actually enrolled in the new england conservatory of music in boston massachusetts which is amazing and she actually attended with a double major in organ and piano teaching what i thought was interesting is that she initially she passed as mexican to avoid racial discrimination against african-americans and she actually listed her hometown as pueblo mexico so I would be really intrigued to like, I don't know. I mean, I guess like it was better for her to be Mexican than it was for her to be black. And because she was mixed race, she could pass, I guess, as Mexican. That is so interesting. People didn't know any better. Yeah, I know. So she said that she was from Pueblo, Mexico, getting into the New England Conservatory, which I thought was really intriguing. But at the conservatory, she studied composition and counterpoint with composers George Chadwick and Frederick Converse. And also while there, she wrote her first string trio and symphony and then graduated in 1906 with honors with both an artist diploma in organ and a teaching certificate. So she obviously did really well at the conservatory of music <laughs> and graduated as an artist, a composer, and had her teaching certificate as well. So after her time in Boston, moving into her career, she moved home to Arkansas, where she briefly taught, but then ended up moving on to Atlanta, Georgia, where she became the head of the music department, which is so amazing, of what is now Clark Atlanta University, which is a historically black college. In 1912, she 
married Thomas J. Price, a lawyer, and then she actually gave up her teaching position and moved back to Little Rock, Arkansas, where he had his practice in law. And then she had two daughters. But what I thought was interesting is she couldn't find work because at that point, Little Rock, Arkansas was a segregated town. So she no longer could find work. So I need to do more research, I think, into this because I was really interested of like, okay, 20 years go by and now she can't find Little Rock. She can't find work in Little Rock. But then at the time, her family was like a bit more respected. So I don't know if like with the integration of more segregation laws just like, yeah, caused more tension, which I guess like I'm not surprised by. But like I said, I don't really know like the intricate details of like what exactly happened that made it worse for her. But it is worth noting that at this point she could not find work and that Little Rock was a worse place yeah. for them to be. Wasn't Little Rock like one of the epicenters of the desegregation? Yeah. Yeah, like Ruby Bridges and all of that. So probably it, just a lot of high racial tension. I think so. And then after a series of like very extreme racial incidents in 1927, they decided to leave. And then this is what caused the, like I mentioned, the Great Migration, where many black families left the Deep South and moved north to escape the Jim Crow conditions. And they actually ended up settling in Chicago, which was a major city. So they weren't the only ones to do this. It was really common at the time. And what, completely justified. Yeah, and completely justified. <laughs> Excuse me. What I thought was interesting is that according to her daughter, Florence actually really wanted to be a doctor, but felt that the difficulties of becoming a woman doctor at the time were just like too much to deal with. So then she decided to become a composer. The the line from this article made me laugh where it said, instead, she became that even greater rarity, a woman composer of symphonies, which, yeah. <laughs> very true but the good news is is like where you are like in a major city I think there is just generally more opportunity for artists to flourish and so Mm -hmm. in Chicago she was a part of she was a part of this Chicago black renaissance and she started her like really just a period of pretty like regular composition like I mentioned like she studied even more composition orchestration and organ with the leading teachers in the city including Arthur Olaf Anderson Carl's Bush Wesley L Violette and Leo so so are by I'm not familiar with those names but I imagine they're significant that's something that happens in these (laughs) episodes all the time like I list these names I'm like I think that they're important but I'm sorry that I don't (laughs) recognize them anyways (laughs) but she published four pieces for piano in 1928 and then while in Chicago she was at various times enrolled at the Chicago Music College Chicago's Teachers College University of Chicago and the American Conservatory of Music studying language liberal arts subjects as well as music so I think this is like really cool that she's obviously just a continuous learner you know and this is always trying Mm -hmm. to seek more education so in 1930 an important early success occurred in her own career where at the national association of negro musicians at their convention of that year margaret bonds premiered her piece originally titled negro fantasy and then of this performance it was written the surprise of the evening was a most effective composition by mrs F.B. Price, entitled A Negro Fantasy, played by the talented Chicago pianist Margaret Bonds. The entire association could well afford to recommend this number to all advanced pianists, which is obviously a very amazing, glowing review. Yeah. Which I thought was really cool. We're going to take a quick break just to spotlight one of our new favorite women artists. So today for my artist spotlight, I'm going to shout out someone that I actually found 
on TikTok originally. Their name is Liliana Ailman, which is just Liliana Ailman. Let me actually go to her Instagram. Oh, so her Instagram is L-I-L-I-A-N-A-A-S underscore. Liliana A-S underscore. That might not be very helpful. Spelling that out is very confusing, (laughs) but I'm now following them on the More Than Amuse Instagram and it's beautiful. Yes. Um, That is always the key. If you're ever wondering where to find these people, just go to who we follow. (laughs) The TikTok that I originally found her, she was just making some art prints and they were just so beautiful and i absolutely love them and if you go to her instagram you'll see all the work that she does and commissions are now open and she does really cool like a lot of cool videos where she's like this is what my sketch was and then this is what the artwork looks like the painting looks like and a lot of the before and after and just really really cool um amazing artist there's one that she did called mother of all children i'm just looking at that yeah that's it is so beautiful i think that's my favorite one it's absolutely stunning so yeah that is so cool go check her out like i mentioned commissions are open and you can dm her to get prints so go check her Her portraits are also stunning i love them she did you see she did like the seven watercolor portraits of her family member for her grandma oh that is so they're so cute oh yeah that's adorable so many good ones so many amazing much amazing artwork so go check her out cool okay i found this really cool instagram account called black art library Mm. it's awesome they it's basically a collection of books and other art history a firma on black visual art intended to be an educational resource it's based out of detroit michigan but they just post like pictures of all of these like books that they find about like black artists and they just had like an event last year where they did like black women in art and had like this huge discussion with the curator of the black art library Mm, amazing talking about different like female black artists but yeah just amazing like to see all these like cool books and like resources that they have Mm -hmm. they have more on their website as well so you can go check out the whole collection they have a zine love love zines love them so much so yeah like definitely go follow that and you can hear about more cool names that you don't know about just from like looking through their stuff and so maybe look at some cool books that are probably hard to find some of them but but still cool all right now back to the show but then in 1931 she actually ended up getting divorced from her husband because they had financial struggles and her husband was abusive so that caused her to get divorced at the age of 44 so at the age of 44 she became a single mother of her two daughters so to make ends meet she had to i don't know i guess be a little bit less highbrow with her art i'm not meaning that she was pretentious but at this time though she had to work as an organist for a silent film for silent film screenings and she actually composed a lot of music for radio ads under a pen name which is just a fun thing that's like you know as musicians you don't have to be famous there's a lot of really cool ways that you can make money so she was an organist for silent films and wrote music for the radio but during this cool i know right Mm -hmm. and then during this time she lived with friends she eventually moved in with her friend margaret bonds who was the pianist who played her piece at the nam convention this friendship connected her with the writer langston hughes 
and the contra-alto Marian Anderson that were both very prominent figures in the art world who actually would aid her future success as a composer, which is really amazing. And then together, Price and Bonds began to achieve national recognition for their compositions and performances. So I think that's really cool. Margaret Bonds and her, you know, they basically teamed up where Price is like, cool, I'll write them and you perform them. And they were doing both very much recognized for that, which I think is really cool. That's awesome. In 1932, both Price and Bonds submitted compositions for the Wanamaker Foundation Awards. And Price actually won first prize with her symphony in E minor and third for her piano sonata that actually ended up winning her $500 in prize money, which is amazing. And then Bonds came in first place in the song category with a song titled sea ghost so they're both doing amazing which i love it makes me i wish i would have done a little bit more research in bonds but to basically summarize her up obviously she's a very close friend of florence price but she was an american composer pianist arranger teacher and is one of the very first black composers and performers to gain recognition in the united states so and she's now best remembered for her popular arrangements of african-american spirituals and her frequent collaboration with langston hughes and langston hughes he was a big deal poet social activist novelist playwright like a very very big deal and he was actually known as a leader of the harlem renaissance so big deal good but then came over to chicago wait at some point oh okay I was like, wait a second. No, no, no. I, I don't know all the details of his life, but I do know that he was a big leader in the Harlem Renaissance, but at yeah. one point. I know that we Chicago. read his work in school and learned about him. So. Yes. Okay. So keeping forward with her life and successes. So in 1933, there was a leading arts advocate named Maude Roberts George, and they were the president of the Chicago Music Association, music critic of the Chicago Defender, and the eventual national president of the national association of negro musicians and they paid 250 dollars which is about five thousand dollars in at least in 2021 dollars so okay in between five and six thousand dollars nowadays for price's Mm -hmm. first symphony to be included in a program devoted to black music with the chicago symphony orchestra which is really cool. And that was part of the Century of Progress's World Fair. Although this concert, like the fair in general, was unmistakably tainted by the racism that characterized Chicago and the U.S. in just general in the 1930s, George's underwriting made Price the first African-American woman to have her music played by a major U.S. orchestra, which is, like I mentioned at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. But then later in that same season, the Illinois host house of the World's Fair devoted an entire program to Price and her music music which was obviously a really really big deal and this invitation given that price had adopted illinois as her home state only five years earlier so at this point she basically considers chicago and illinois her home which we've talked i feel like so often with these artists that we cover there's a reference to the world fair and i just want in some way for a world fair to be a thing again i feel like the only equivalent now is like the olympics but like i want that for art but they had that then too yes why did the world fair stop i don't know yeah you should the cold war Oh, so it became difficult to justify the cost of hosting a grand exposition for the sake of national reassurance and public interesting basically they were just like it's too expensive that's really disappointing though i know i feel like there's so much potential a lot of things are so expensive there's a lot of rich people that can pay for it i don't know i know i'm like come on instead of sending millionaires to space let's have a world fair please (laughs) 
Anyways. That's really interesting. So a number of her other orchestral works were played by the Works Progress Administration Symphony Orchestra of Detroit, the Chicago Women's Symphony, and the Women's Symphony Orchestra of Chicago. And this is all pretty much throughout the 30s and the 40s. In 1940, she was inducted into the American Society of Composers, Authors, and Publishers for her work as a composer. And then in 1949, she published two of her spiritual arrangements, I Am Bound for the Kingdom and I'm Working on My Building, and dedicated them to Marian Anderson who performed them on a regular basis. Yeah, just amazing Mm -hmm. all that she did. A brief note about her personal life. Again, I don't have a lot, unfortunately, about her, but that is all with her career that she was able to successfully do. But a note about her personal life is, like I mentioned, that she married the lawyer from Arkansas in 1912, and then they got divorced in the 30s, and she had two daughters and a son, Florence Edith and Thomas Jr. and they were all raised in Chicago. She got divorced in 1931 but then ended up getting remarried. So she divorced Thomas Price in 1931 and then on February 14th, Valentine's Day, adorable, of the same year she married the widower Fusey Del Arnett who was an insurance agent and a former baseball player for the Chicago Unions. He was 13 years her senior and they separated by April of 1934 but they apparently never divorced. So I'm intrigued by that relationship, but yeah, technically they were together. And then on June 3rd of 1953, she passed away. She died from a stroke in Chicago, Illinois at the age of 66. Notes about her legacy. 1964, the Chicago Public Schools opened Florence B. Price Elementary School in Aww. Illinois, in a neighborhood in Chicago. But following her death, as this tends to always be the case (laughs) tends to always that doesn't make sense but whatever (laughs) following her death though much of her work was overshadowed as new musical styles emerged that fit the changing tastes of modern society some of her work was lost but as more african-american and female composers gained attention for their works so has now price in 2001 the woman's philharmonic created an album of some of her work which i think is really cool and then in 2011 pianist karen wallen and the new black repertory ensemble performed her concerto in one movement and symphony in e minor so There were some attempts in the early 2000s to still perform her work and do something. But this is the significant thing that happened. So in 2009, a substantial collection of her works and papers were actually just found in an abandoned house on the outskirts of St. Anne, Illinois, which apparently she had used at one point as a summer home. Okay. But these manuscripts consisted of dozens of her scores, including two violin concertos and her fourth symphony. And then this quote is from that New Yorker article that I mentioned. It said, not only did Price fail to enter the canon, a large quantity of her music became perilously close to obliteration. That rundown house in St. Anne is a potent symbol of how a country can forget its cultural history. Three settings of her work, one called Abraham Lincoln Walks at Midnight, was discovered in 2009, which was a setting for orchestra, organ, chorus, and soloists. And then they premiered it on April 12th of 2019 by the Dubois Orchestra in Cambridge, Massachusetts. So basically what happens is people buy this abandoned house, move into it. And I was reading that they were like just going through things and they found like all of these like journals and pages and they realized that it was all a bunch of music and it was Florence Price's music. 
and like a huge chunk what of heck? what is now her published work which is insane to me because you would think that like after she died they'd be like a oh let me check all the places that she lived and see if any music is you there you know like we do for every other historical person of significance yeah you would think but it took literally i mean she died in the 50s yeah 1953 she passed yeah. away and then in 2009 which i'm confused too because i'm like was that house just sitting there abandoned for like 60 that's years? what i'm trying to figure out like how does paper survive that long in an abandoned I, house didn't like animals or anything else get into it that's even just like to me people i know yeah but yeah it's amazing that it did survive wow. because there was a whole symphony just chilling there just sitting in a house just sitting in a house by the very <laughs> first black woman to have her symphony oh performed my gosh. so like i mentioned like very legitimate rediscovery and then in november yeah. 2018 the music publisher announced that it had acquired the exclusive worldwide rights to florence price's complete catalog and honestly at this point so many people have done performances of her work which i think is so cool is i love learning about people and then like finding such recent dates of people actively trying to bring their art to the forefront so in mm -hmm. 2021 classical pianist laura downs initiated a project called rising sun music to draw attention to the influence of composers from a diversity of backgrounds that are you know from american classical music um and they worked to release newly recorded works of composers such as Price, but then also Harry Burley, whose importance often has been lost in historical accounts of the development in American classical music. Yeah. Then there's a 2022 installment of the Catalyst Quartet's ongoing Uncovered series, where they focus on the music of Black composer, and they have recorded nearly two hours worth of Price's chamber music. This quote I thought was cool. It says, the most substantial piece, Price's A minor quintet for piano and strings, got its first recording just last year, courtesy of the Kaleidoscope Changer Collective. Like that one, this performance impresses for its technical and expressive excellence everything's beautifully balanced and comes to life just as it should and then what i loved talking about that album that they recorded this quote said taken together this is an album that's at once musically significant but more than that thoroughly enjoyable how tragic that largely on account of her race and gender price's music was almost erased yet how happy it is that revivals do happen and how exciting that thanks to the advocacy of groups like the catalyst and musicians like michelle can we're seeing a deserving composer finally take her place in the american canon which i loved that quote yeah. so much i mean i think i mentioned this but it's just really really cool to see when we are doing our research about these artists that really so much of it is kind of dependent on us like nowadays mm -hmm. you know yeah us almost like being all of us and it's like if there is an artist that you feel deserves to be championed from history that was left out of the conversation because of factors such as their race or their gender you actually can do a huge significant part in bringing them back into some type of collective consciousness you know what i mean even if it Definitely. feels like it's really really small there is always something that you can do and like now we have so many recorded works of her music that didn't exist even three years ago because this mm -hmm. group noticed something that was missing and noticed that she's an amazing composer that deserved more who she died people stopped caring as with so many women artists they're amazing in their day like this woman was making a career as a musician she was put in you know all like the composer group she was very very successful but then that did not hold after she passed away 
and it's just yeah. amazing to see the work that just individuals can do to champion women and champion their art and bring it back on the surface again and it, it just it was really really cool to read Definitely. about how it went from discovering an abandoned home to now like mm-hmm. so many projects that are now being done to record her work and perform her work. And I didn't even mention every single one because at a certain point then I would just be listing all these, you know, random groups that are, (laughs) you know, but which it's all, they're all amazing and they're all doing amazing things, but you know. (laughs) I love that. Also, like when you were talking about earlier of like more women were coming to the forefront of classical music and so they started talking about her name again, like before the abandoned house. So like obviously in a Mm -hmm. smaller way but that's something that I feel like is really cool too is that like when women get involved in these areas and start yeah. making more of an impact like people begin to look backward and go like oh wait a second like who came before you like yeah mm-hmm. we all know the men who came before the men that are here now you know what I mean like the line yeah. is there it's been drawn for ages and it's very defined but like when women get involved in areas of the arts where women usually aren't like more names from history come up yeah and I think that that's like a really important thing too Mm -hmm. and I think that's exactly what happened with us we Mm -hmm. were in our art history classes and we are women in arts and had that same moment of like wait but I'm only here learning about men but I think that women have been here this whole time and I want to know who they are exactly and and now we have two years worth of content (laughs) so (laughs) I know it was like the first name I heard that was a woman that I hadn't heard before I like grasped onto it with like a death grip because it was just like wait a second why have I been gypped like (laughs) why haven't I heard this name before and I feel like that's how it feels a lot of the times when we're doing this podcast is that it's just like what the heck like this whole history was completely stolen from me yeah exactly (laughs) and like this person whose art deserves to be championed just no one cared we say this all the time as well but like who writes the history books like the victors do you know what I mean and so a lot of the time these amazing women get left out but you know, she accomplished so much. If one thing, even just supporting her family on her yeah, music. And that's something seriously. that I think sometimes like when I read about people who did hard things, I'm almost just like, oh, well, yeah, there was a lot of like bad things that happened in that day. But it's like, no, no, no. Like if I put myself in that where it's like she escaped an abusive husband, escaped horrible racial tensions in Little Rock, Arkansas, moved her entire family to Chicago, where she eventually was raising her three kids alone as a single mom, but then still was able to continuously like learn more, gain more education, and then support her family on her music, even if at a time it was just silent film playing and radio music, but then eventually was able to get very legitimate respect and notoriety as a composer. Like, it's truly just like an amazing story of resilience and artistry. So... I'm so happy that I now know more about, well, not now know more. I know about her at all. And it (laughs) it came from me calling myself out of, oh, you really like to learn about women classical composers who were forgotten. Why can't you name any black women that were forgotten? And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, let's do some research then. And there's so many people like that were involved in the Chicago Renaissance that I'm like, okay, I can't like do everything from the exact same time period, like month after month after month, but like we'll get to them eventually. (laughs) But we could. (laughs) But we could, exactly. We could spend like three months on the women of the Chicago 
black renaissance and we still wouldn't hit everybody there's so many amazing stories to tell that's crazy well, anyways, just a glimpse. Just into a glimpse. History. Yes. <laughs> but like I mentioned, I would definitely recommend just going on YouTube and just typing Florence Price. You could go look up a couple of the compositions I mentioned, but she has just a lot of beautiful music and like full on symphonies that as I was doing research for her, I just had playing in the background and it was really beautiful. So if you're the type of person that likes to study the classical music, let it be someone that's not basic and go listen to Florence Price and go appreciate some American classical music by a black woman. Definitely. Completely agree. Well, thank you. You're welcome. I feel enlightened and encouraged. Me too. And it also makes me want to go buy every abandoned house that's ever you been anywhere. You never know what you might find. <laughs> I was like, time to go treasure hunting. I know. And if you're buying or remodeling any <laughs> abandoned houses this year, thoroughly investigate everything. <laughs> and then you call your know. local museum. Yes. <laughs> you oh, never gosh. know. You know, you truly don't. Well, a shorter episode today, but hope you enjoyed learning about the amazing life of Florence Price and join us next week because we have another topic for you and I'm excited about it. Do you want to give a, not a spoiler, but like, what are we talking about? Or are we doing another artist next week? No, we're not. We are talking about the way women talk. Oh, yes, the way women talk, which maybe yes. is intriguing, but I'm excited. I promise it'll be good. Yes, because if you have ever been called a valley girl, which I have recently on our Instagram. <laughs> anyway, I made a reel for our Instagram and someone told me I sounded exactly like someone who lived in California in the 80s because of my valley girl accent, which you know what? I'm a little bit proud of. I am. That I can sound like I'm from a different time period. Without even trying. That's pretty cool. So. Yeah, put that on the resume. I think so. Yeah, just the general way that women talk and communicate and how it's been made fun of forever. Yeah. So it'll be an interesting So if you, as a woman, have ever felt belittled because of how you talk or because you say like too much or because you get excited by things, come join us. And I'm just going to complain about people being rude for an hour and a half, probably. So actually, there's like scientific studies to back this. I'm excited. Where we're not stupid. We're not stupid. We're just fun. So tune in for that. (laughs) Cool. We can say like as many times as we want in that episode, too. So you know what? I (laughs) well, actually, maybe I won't, but I will purposely not cut out as many filler words as I generally do. But I also am like, oh, maybe that means the the quality of our content (laughs) will go down significantly. I don't know everyone's like what happened to them (laughs) okay anyways we'll be back next week more than amuse see you then Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.